The Denver Broncos shake off a little bit of a rough start in the first half to come away 2-0 to start the NFL season with a win over the Jacksonville Jaguars. Sarah, myself, we recap the game, we go over, we give out our game balls, plus we talk about some concerns that the Broncos still have heading into Week 3 against the New York Jets this upcoming Sunday in the Broncos' home opener. We break all that action down here on today's brand new episode, Locked on Broncos. You are Locked on Broncos, your daily Denver Broncos podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Victory Monday once again. What's up, Broncos country? Welcome back into a brand new episode of Locked On Broncos, your daily Denver Broncos podcast here on the Locked On NFL Network, your team every day from the South Stands to the end zone. I'm your host, as always, Cody Rourke, joined alongside my co-host, Sarah Bedinger. Both of us, we cover the Denver Broncos for the Lockdown NFL Network and Nine News. Make sure you follow, subscribe, Lockdown Broncos, free and available everywhere. You get your podcast, not to mention you can watch us on your TV, you can watch us on your phone, your tablet, on the YouTube channel, Lockdown Broncos. Make sure you hit subscribe so you never miss a day's worth of coverage of all things Denver Broncos related. Sarah, my man, another victory Monday, and covering the Denver Broncos, we haven't had this two times in a row, you know, to open up a season in quite some time. Obviously, you know, some things that the Broncos need to concern, but more importantly, coming away with a victory on the road, that's a good sign. It's a great sign, Cody, and I'll tell you what else is a great sign. Since you invited me to be the co-host of this show, I'm going to continue to point this out. 5-0 and for the Denver Broncos, including preseason games, so... We have that's yet to a lose move. a game since that's the, that's my favorite stat from this game personally, Cody. I mean, all all jokes aside, that's we're winning games. I feel like Broncos country, you know, whatever you want to shower Cody and I with, whatever gifts, you know, we will receive with gratitude. <laughs> and no, it's it's great though, man. Nah, just send me coffee, people. I love coffee. But you know, more <laughs> importantly, you know, it was really fun. I, I've, I was interacting with Broncos fans at halftime during a Twitter Spaces. I'm going to be doing that from now on. So, Broncos country, if you're listening to this during halftime, Twitter Spaces, jump on with me uh, and share your thoughts at halftime as to that. But look, Sarah, the Broncos coming away with another road victory, 23 to 13 over the Jacksonville Jaguars, who had the Broncos, you know, to come out in this game, had them on their heels a little bit. The defense. <laughs> And they struggled in that first half, for, you know, kind of first series there before kind of getting things going within like the final three minutes of the second quarter. But that first drive by Trevor Lawrence to Jacksonville Jaguars, they carved up the Broncos. A lot of man coverage there. Kyle Fuller obviously getting beat by Marvin Jones for a touchdown. And at that point, I thought to myself, oh, man, this was the trap game. They came up early. They're getting smacked early on. How do they respond? But like always, Teddy Bridgewater, steady and reliable, calmed the nerves down and, and led the Broncos downfield here. Uh, but it did come at a price, too. And, and obviously, we're going to recap the entire game here. But it did come at a price as the Broncos do lose two key players to injury. Bradley Chubb, same ankle he was dealing with. Started this game, suffered the injury on a pressure, and Trevor Lawrence in that second quarter did not return. Josie Jewell, with a thunderous hit on special teams, hurt his shoulder, did not return as well. So obviously some concern there. So Sarah, really kind of that first half opening up. I mean, how are you feeling about the Broncos? Because defensively, they came out flat. Definitely. I mean, after that first drive for the Jaguars, I was kind of thinking to myself, man, this is exactly what we talked about. It's almost like the worst-case scenario, right? Like Trevor, Trevor Lawrence is – not likely to throw three interceptions this week, but I didn't think, oh man, he's just going to come out guns blazing and touchdown on the first drive. I mean, that was that was tough to see, and especially against Kyle Fuller, one of my guys. That was my guy, man. I picked him for the bounce back game this week. So, of course, again after that, the defense was able to bounce back. But I mean, 
as of the first half, it really felt, didn't it to you? I mean, really, really similar to the to week one against the New York Giants. It felt very, very close to that. You know, the Broncos carried some momentum into the into the locker room at halftime with a ten to seven lead, almost identical to last week, and getting the ball coming out, and you felt just just like a confidence with that I suppose so yeah that was kind of how I felt out as of the end of the first half I mean in the first drive for the Jaguars kind of thinking to myself well I mean here we here we go I guess you know there's no uh no resting on that victory from week one so definitely a little concerned early but towards halftime kind of feeling oddly confident with just a three-point lead well and I think for the Broncos too this was a positive because last year you know how many times they'd get the ball before half and not come away with points Teddy leads a drive finds Tim Patrick you know you'll love that he did a Jerry Judy touchdown celebration and then you get the ball to open up in the second half and obviously Cortland Sutton with a big 55-yard catch downfield in that third quarter and then you find Noah Fant for a touchdown just the, the overall efficiency by the Broncos offense considering really the score the score looks closer than it really was 23 of 13 and obviously we could talk about how that 13th point got put up on the board there for the Jaguars but the thing that stood out to me the most there the Broncos once again controlled the time of possession that Jaguars defense was gassed 38 minutes and 52 seconds of possession here by the Broncos which is odd when you factor in the Broncos struggles to run the football and I know that's going to be a subject of discussion that we do have here but Sarah for the Broncos it is nice to start off 2-0 I know Broncos country is fired up because guess what the home opener is this week in Powerfield at Mile High Vic Fangio said in his press conference that he's got to calm himself down a little bit because he knows that for the first time when you have 76,000 roaring fans at Empower Field at Mile High, it's going to be a special moment for Denver sports fans. And obviously, I can't wait to bring that up and cover that this week with you here. Once again, Lockdown Broncos. But Broncos country coming up here in just a moment. Sarah and I, we're going to hand out our game balls. And we're also going to talk about some of the key performances that stood out for the Broncos in their 23-13 victory over the Jacksonville Jaguars on the road to start off 2-0. But before we do that, let me tell you about the sponsor of today's postgame report. That's our good friends over there at Get Upside. And hey, Broncos fans, this is Cody Work of Lockdown Broncos alongside Sarah Bedinger. And we have an incredible app for every one who buys gas and this is something that you need to know about get upside now listeners of lockdown broncos they are making up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas every time that they fill up just download the free get upside app in the app store on your google play right now and use promo code touchdown and you can get a bonus 25 cents per gallon on your first fill up that's up to 50 cents cash back don't pay full price at the pump anymore get cash back using get upside like once again just download the app and use promo code touchdown it's a free app but you can also get up to 50 cents gallon cash back on your first tank some people who drive a lot are making as much as to two to three hundred dollars a month in just cash back and there is no catch the cash back gets added right to your account and you can cash out anytime to your bank account paypal or even an e-gift card for amazon or other brands just download the free get upside app and use promo code touchdown and get up to 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank today once again that's promo code touchdown All right, Sarah, let's get into our game balls here for the Denver Broncos. Really just kind of a a portion of this segment to focus on the good performances. Now, I think we always open up. We want to recap the game here. Uh, You know, before we hand out game balls, I just want to say Teddy Bridgewater, I feel like, is doing a really good job of kind of disproving some of these narratives that we are seeing. Now, 
uh, a lot of people said Teddy doesn't test the ball downfield often. We saw him test the ball downfield several times. And, and look, I think that there was that one misplay to KJ Handler that KJ ran the wrong route. It seems like he broke in rather than staying vertical. And obviously he and uh, you know Teddy, those guys are going to work that out in the film room and they're going to get on the same page. You have a deep pass to, to Tim Patrick that you miss. You have a deep pass to Cortland Sutton that should have been pass interference by Shaquille Griffin. They didn't call it. And he still came away 75% completion percentage going 26 of 34 for 328 and two tutties, sir. I've been blown away by Teddy Bridgewater and and just really how calm he is when chaos is all around him. He delivers. He does. And and I don't know if you can give game balls away to the same guy two weeks in a row, but man, Teddy, he was awesome in this game again. And you're right. I mean, the narrative on Teddy Bridgewater going into this season really was, well, we know exactly what he is. We're going to, I'm going to continue to bring that back up because even though, you know, there were a lot of Drew Locke supporters in Broncos country, myself included, I don't think I ever was like, man, I just know we know what Teddy brings to the table all the time. You know, he, there's no upside there. I think that there's definitely some upside and I've been proven wrong about that. I, I think that there's definitely some serious upside with Teddy Bridgewater and he is attacking the ball that he did in this game. He attacked the ball down field quite a bit which was awesome 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 to see not only to me does that indicate that teddy is a bit more aggressive than he was given credit for by me and others but what it indicates to me is that he and his receivers have a lot of trust for each other they're they're really building that chemistry and so i think as the season goes along cody we're going to see that start to click a lot more you know the play you mentioned a few plays i'm thinking also of a play where tyson campbell shoved Cortland Sutton out of bounds and then yep. kind of arm bar grabbed his arm too so there was there was a multitude of pass plays in this game that could have gone for in a pass interference that was called on Tim Patrick down the middle of the field as well so there was there was definitely a lot of more opportunity for Teddy to I mean he could have gone easily for 400 yards in this yeah. game the way he was throwing the ball and and I mean it's not that the the Broncos receivers did a bad job or something like that it just didn't work out as the flow of the game penalties on the defense the you know the penalty on Cortland Sutton for or, or I guess it didn't ultimately get called right he stepped out of bounds and then the defensive back touched the ball first but an awesome performance from Teddy Bridgewater all around well, this is a guy that you gave a game ball to here, Cortland Sutton. Can we talk about a welcome back moment for obviously number 14? George Stoy had pointed out that in, in the game against Jacksonville, it's at 364 days exactly. He's one day away from it being the one year that he tore his ACL. And guess what he did? He went crazy. 12 targets, 9 catches, 159 yards, and a 55-yard reception through the year, obviously, to open up the second half. It was so nice to see Cortland back, and he took a little bit of a nut shot earlier. He came up hobbling I didn't you know you couldn't tell right away but luckily the replay kind of showed it so he came up hobbling I think everybody was like oh no but obviously what a return for Cortland obviously he gets your game ball and mine too I give him one definitely man that's funny so you got Cortland kind of sending Broncos country into a frenzy with his little toe tap drill that he was doing that made it look like he was limping on one of his legs and then you get a ball tap that uh that gets him you know to the sideline so <laughs> a tough week for Sutton for the overreaction you know from the fan base but man I was just drinking that in as you were as you were saying those statistics like that was just like oh that was smooth as butter and it was it was good to see man it's so good to see from Cortland Sutton right I mean the ACL injury kind of saw him limited last week it's, it seemed like the Broncos were kind of trying to maybe forcibly get him involved after it was you know just one pass after another to either Jerry Judy a tight end somebody else so they were kind of trying to forcibly get Sutton involved 
this week he was the focus of the offensive game plan, which is exactly what you and I wanted. And we talked about that on the show throughout the week. Cortland Sutton, what did Vic Fangio say after the game? He's back. He's back. He doubled down. He said it twice. And definitely Cortland Sutton made no bones about it. He is back after this game. He showed us every single thing that we've come to love from him, whether it was making plays deep down the field, whether it was getting yards after the catch on slant routes, whatever it was, converting third down. I mean, Whatever it was, Cortland Sutton has been doing it, and, and it's it was awesome to see in this game against a pretty talented Jaguar secondary at that. Yeah, well, and obviously C.J. Henderson obviously missed that second half. You have to wonder what the impact would have been like. He did a really good job. It was just a physical matchup, and Vic had even mentioned that in the postgame that you know he felt like in the first half that they were just out physical and that they didn't respond, but in the second half they made those adjustments. But well, let's talk about those adjustments there because another guy who gets a game ball, you know, Kareem Jackson, Patrick Sertan, obviously making his rookie PS2. Both those guys coming away with an interception, but it, it's impressive furthermore for the Broncos' defense who on that first drive, Trevor Lawrence, I believe, believe went five of seven 75 yards and a touchdown and was carving up the Broncos you know his stat line how he finished here looking at it 14 of 33 only 118 yards there one touchdown and two interceptions so after 75 yards on that first drive he finishes with 118 but man you know Denver did a really good job too because pressure by Von Miller started to get there but I'm just telling you, that play by Kareem Jackson, that interception, I, I tweeted it out. Kareem Jackson, he gets to eat free for life wherever he wants, man. Pay that. Do you think that the Broncos at this point, and I, I get that he's a veteran guy. He doesn't play, though, like his age. I feel like the Broncos at some point, they could look at an extension for him. I think you're right, Cody. And I have to, you know, I have to fall on this sword here because I was kind of one of the ones that was like, well, you know, Kareem Jackson is getting up there in age. This is during the offseason, by the way. Kareem Jackson's getting up there in age. Maybe you go after a younger safety in free agency like John Johnson was available. A couple of other guys that were intriguing. Maybe you let Kareem Jackson go. You get a younger guy in there. But then, man, seeing him play this weekend, I got to eat my words. I got to eat this plate of ice-cold crow right here. Kareem Jackson was awesome. And the interception was was fantastic and it's going to look even better on the all 22 film but my favorite play from kareem jackson in this game was a a run play that he destroyed by himself it looked like it looked like the jacksonville jaguars were like the flying v from the mighty ducks on a run play going to the left and james robinson had a clear path to i don't know 40 50 yards and kareem jackson like juked out the left tackle for the jaguars and came in and just totally knocked james robinson off his feet i mean it was an unbelievable play. You, everyone, everyone that's listening right now, and everyone that's watching right now. I know you guys saw it live, but man, when you watch that play back, that play is is one of the plays that to me defines this entire game for the Denver Broncos. Because if Kareem Jackson doesn't make that hit, it it, it goes from being a routine, you know, five or six yard run to being a huge play and potentially even a touch. I mean, I'm not trying to overreact. It could have been a touchdown run. There yeah. were that many blockers out in front. And Kareem Jackson by himself destroyed the play. So big time game ball for number 22. The interception was beautiful. It was a great game for him. Yeah, and I I just want to go back to another point there with Kareem. I mean, you're absolutely right. And that's one play we'll bring back on the All-22. And we said it last year, Sarah. Kareem has 
these moments in games that sort of set the tempo, that define the rest of the way for the Broncos. He's a tone setter, and mm-hmm. he looked absolutely fantastic in Sunday's 23-13 to victory over the Jaguars. And then let's talk about the rookie here, Patrick Sertan, the second, getting his first career start, coming away with an interception, which I can't wait to break down on the All-22 as well, doing a great job squeezing DJ Chark to the sideline, and even Chark's pushing him in the back. Could have been offensive P.I., he gets his hands on the ball. He gets both feet in before the butt cheeks touch the, the sideline. Interception, first time for the rookie in his first career start. And, and Jacksonville went after him a couple times. They're testing him. And he's going to be tested, I, I think, through the next five to six weeks. But he has to keep making these plays that he made, obviously, in Sunday's victory. Absolutely, he does. And a huge shout-out to him. I saw on the CBS broadcast as well, his his dad, Patrick Sertan um, Sr., I suppose, picked yeah. off his first NFL pass in his second career game. So kind of crazy how the NFL is just poetic like that, isn't it, Cody? But it was awesome to see him bounce back after last week, right? I mean, definitely the missed tackle on Sterling Shepard, only playing 16 defensive snaps. Something was just a little fishy with, with all that. So getting to see him out there playing a full-time role, I think we know, obviously, now why the Denver Broncos valued him so highly. I mean, he's a tremendous, tremendous player. He plays like a veteran. And I think you're right. I think the Jaguars were really trying to, I I can't say expose, but I mean, you want to try to go after the rookie, right? I mean, he's the only guy out there for the Denver Broncos defense who really lacks experience. So you want to go after that guy. And Trevor Lawrence was looking, I tweeted this out during the game. I've never seen Trevor Lawrence throw so many YOLO balls in my life. I mean, that guy's going to be a great NFL player, but man, he was yucking the ball downfield with almost no regard. It was like, it was, who's he throwing to on this play? Who's he throwing to on that play? Why is he throwing it here? Why is he throwing? And of course, as a defensive back, you just, you never know what's going to happen on those plays. The Jaguars do have players that can make plays on those type of balls. So Kudos to Sertan and the rest of the secondary for doing a good job in this game. And game ball for him, and that interception, that's going to be on the highlight reel for, for all. I mean, that's, that'll be one of the best plays I think we see from the Broncos all year long. I love it, too. And obviously, Vic Fangio said that Cortland Sutton, Kareem Jackson, Patrick Sertan, a second, each got a game ball. I, I think that Teddy and Cortland could share. I think Kareem and PS2 could share it, obviously, if you want to do that. But just, you know, once again, Broncos road warriors to open up the season 2-0 and start. Uh, you know, and now we got to get into the conversation Coming up here in just a moment about things that concerned us so far through two weeks of action for the Broncos, specifically in this Jaguars game that you can't make against the New York Jets and some of the other teams that the Broncos will face down the stretch. But before we do that, let me tell you about the two other sponsors. Today's episode, Lockdown Broncos Post Game Report. That's our good friends over there, Direct TV Stream, and our good friends over there at Bill Bar. Now, a Direct TV Stream. Does this sound familiar to you? You have one device that lets you catch the game live, and another one that lets you stream your favorite shows. And not to mention, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor. Login for all the good stuff. Well, let me tell you about Direct TV Stream here today. It brings you your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before in one place, so you can catch all the action, watch your favorite sports, movies, and TV shows all in one place. And that means no more juggling remotes, no more need to buy another device ever again. And the best part of it all, there is no annual contract you can cut the cord today so get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your tv together with direct tv stream and you can learn more at directtv.com once again directtv.com compatible device required content varies by package and our good friends over there at bill Bar and sarah over the weekend i received in the mail and you should be receiving one here soon i received a cookie dough chunk built bar box in the mail and you know i love peanut butter brownie but i tell you what this might be my new favorite and i hope they make it a stable part over there at built.com 
Tom. Built Bar has nine amazing, delicious flavors, including the occasional limited time flavor like cookie dough chunk. And you can check out all the flavors at Built.com. Get yourself a mixed box, or if you like one flavor, get yourself a box of 18 of that flavor that you love the most. I love Built Bar because it tastes like a candy bar. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew, and they're the healthiest protein bar on the market. 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, and only 4 grams of sugar. And I want you to get your hands on a box of Built Bar today by going to Built.com. Use promo code LOCK15. That's going to get you 15% off your next order at Built.com. Once again, promo code LOCK15 gets you 15% off your next order at Built.com. Com. All right, Sarah, jumping into the fourth quarter action. Today's episode, Lockdown Broncos post-game report. Just a reminder, Broncos country, it would mean the absolute world to both Sarah and myself if you hit the subscribe button or follow button on your favorite audio podcasting platforms to Lockdown Broncos, not to mention here on YouTube, so you never miss out on a day's worth of coverage of all things orange and blue. Sarah and I, we like to look at everything from a multitude of ways, and we appreciate your feedback and your interaction in the comment section down below and also on social media. But Sarah, Concerns for the Denver Broncos, there's definitely a few that stand out to me that watching the game, I thought to myself, they can't do this against a team like Kansas City, the Los Angeles Chargers, the Las Vegas Raiders, or in a couple weeks against a team like the Baltimore Ravens or even the Pittsburgh Steelers in about three weeks. Denver's schedule is going to get tougher. The the quality of the opponents that they're going to play are going to be much more difficult, and there's some things they absolutely cannot do. One of them I'm going to talk about here penalties we have seen just a brutal amount of penalties by the broncos and they're up all across the nfl but 10 penalties for over 101 yards against the jaguars some of them we know to be ticky tack but for the most part uh, several of them coming on special teams where it's after the play as vic fangio said some of the post whistle stuff that has happened it's bs and they need to fix it I'm concerned about that. You can't do that. You don't, you know, giving up that much yardage to a team like the Jaguars, you know, is one thing. Giving up that type of yardage to a team like Kansas City, I think would be death by inches, so to speak. It would be, Cody. It would be. And it's not surprising that here we are talking about penalties and and special teams in conjunction with each other. Unfortunately, a uh, false start on Baron Browning on the punt team, a false start on, a, on another player, uh, Nate Hairston on the yep. punt team unsportsmanlike conduct on Mike Ford on the punt team. I will I mean, say it, that was kind of a soft call. I, it was. It's, it's that new taunting rule. I didn't see anything. Yeah. It just, he was jawing. Like, come on, it's, it's mm-hmm. a physical game. I, I don't like that call, though. I don't like it either, Cody. I don't either. But again, it's not a good, it's not a notch on Tom McMahon's belt. I'll tell you that much, no. which which is my, one of my primary concerns for this, not only this game, but I mean, the rest of the season, as you said, when you're playing against these other big name teams, you can't afford stupid little mistakes, especially when it comes to special teams. So pinning a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes inside the 10 yard line, awesome. 15 yard penalty to put him at the 27, 28 yard line can't do that kind of stuff you're exactly right and so those are those are the things that are the difference between potentially you know letting your defense make a game altering play and then just special teams completely blowing it completely ruining it so I just I don't know man the special teams in this game although I will say you know in in the last whatever three seasons it's been since 2019 the Denver Broncos are guaranteed Cody to win by 10 points when Jamal Agnew has a, a return touchdown against them. So that happened against the Detroit Lions at the end of the 2019 season when the Broncos won 27-17 happened in this game as well. So um, but all kidding aside, I mean my goodness, a, a kickoff return touchdown, I mean in today's NFL where kickoff, you know, kickoffs are barely returned ever. Wow. I just I don't know what else to make of this. It's it's absolutely ridiculous. It's 
it's appalling. It's crazy. I can't, you can't even help but just laugh. Thank goodness it happened in a victory. Yeah. Oh, man. But just imagine. I mean, I go back to last year against Kansas City. They give one up 108 yards to Byron Pringle. You know, on that one, too, the, the kick. And I get where Tom McMahon's coming from, but the reality is if you can just boot it out of the back of the end zone, take that. So, but they want to test. They want to allow these young guys on kickoff to go down and make a play, which, look, I think Justin Sternod on the first opening kickoff did a phenomenal job. Don't get me wrong there. But this was one of those plays you need to just boot it out of the end zone. The coverage unit, they just whiff on the guy. He cuts back inside. He's gone for a touchdown. And so what should have been a 23-7 to victory for the Denver Broncos ends up looking 10 points closer just because it's 23-13. to you give up that big play. Now, I will say the Jaguars, after they had that touchdown, you know they go for the two-point conversion. Broncos defense does a really good job stopping it. Then they get a delay of game on an onside kick. Like, they just wait. That is the most Urban Meyer thing that I have ever seen, but that was very defining, I think, for this game here. But I think that the pressure is upping a little bit on, on Tomic Manser, and I don't know what the Broncos are going to do, but – they could fire him this week. And I think that when you see these con- continuous issues, the same issue coming back on that specific unit and biting you in the tail, it becomes a trend. It becomes a problem that has not yet been addressed in the last two and a half to three seasons in Denver. If they do make a move, I imagine Chris Gould, Broncos special teams assistant, will probably be promoted in the interim. But you still have to you still have to do it. Even if you get rid of Tom McMahon, you still have to address the issue. So I don't know what Denver's going to do here, but that was obviously a concern for me. One of the bigger concerns I'd say that we probably should have here down the stretch here for the Broncos is their efficiency on third down. I believe that they went two for 11 against the Jaguars. And some of those third down situations, they were backed up a little bit more this week. But they also had several third and shorts that they could not convert. To me, that is becoming a little bit of a dangerous trend because they struggled against the New York Giants in that field last week. Where are your concerns here with not only just the third down, but also the Broncos run game kind of stalling up a little bit? 96 Mm -hmm. total yards on the day. Yeah, yeah. I think those two really go hand in hand a lot of times, don't they? I mean, if you're if you're too far behind the the line to gain, you know, that's a reflection on your running game a lot of times. And I know we talked it with with Tim Jenkins last week after the Giants game about how he's like, I'm not opposed to the Broncos becoming a pass on first down type of team. And Frankly, I'm not either after watching no. the first two games of the, the running game try to work. I mean, there's only so many times that the announcer can be like, man, isn't this Javante Williams guy impressive? He just turned a zero-yard play into a three-yard gain. It's like as much as I love that, as much I love it as much as the next guy. Don't get me wrong. But I would much rather see Javante Williams have some clearer lanes. I don't mean I don't need to have it clear every single time, but clearer than they have been and and get him some actual running lanes to go through because man, if he's this impressive just gaining yards after contact at the line of scrimmage, maybe give the guy some room to to work with. And I know that it's easier said than done. I'm just a guy sitting here wearing a hat and and talking about the game. I don't have to go out there and block people. I don't have to go out there and do that, but man, does it get any easier this week when you're going up against Quinn and Williams and the big boys in the with the New York Jets? I mean, you got to figure out a way to get that going. And I think they go hand in hand. The concern that you brought up on third downs, converting third downs and running the ball well, those two things have to be kind of, is it symbiotic? Is that the word, Cody? I mean, I haven't been in school for like 10 years here. So, (laughs) but that's kind of what I'm thinking after this game. 
Yeah, well, you know, and also, too, the splits between Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams in terms of carries, it was the same. Both guys had 13 carries. Javante had 64 yards. Melvin had 31. And, uh, you know, like I said, I feel like they'll get there, right? But it was evident, in, in my opinion, and not many people may notice this, but uh, the Broncos struggled a little bit without Graham Glasgow there. And, and you know, nothing against Natani Muti, but he allowed a sack to Adam Gotsis, who really has been not yeah. a very good defender for the Jaguars. So I'd say the concern there, Teddy Bridgewater sacked three times. One of those was obviously in a goal line situation. Uh, it looked like boot action there by the Broncos. So Garrett Bulls down blocked. I'm not quite sure we'll have Tim Jenkins look at it when we talked to him on Tuesday. Uh, but, you know, obviously three sacks there. You don't want that to happen. Gotsis just shot inside of Natani Muti on the interior shoulder and was in Teddy Bridgewater's face. Not much he could have done there. So between that. It's so crazy to think that the Broncos went two for 11 on third down. They struggled running the ball consistently enough the way that they did, but they still controlled the time of possession, 38 minutes to 21 to Jacksonville. I, I don't get it, Sarah. It doesn't add up. When you look at the box score, you look at the stat sheet, none of that makes sense when you look at it. But you know what? The Broncos, they come out 2-0 and to start the season. Obviously a great start for them and a long season that is to come, and hopefully they can get some guys back from injuries. Obviously we don't know the status of Josie Jewell just yet, but hopefully he can be back against the New York Jets and the Broncos' home opener next Sunday in Powerfield at Mile High. Just a reminder, all week long, Sarah Bettinger, myself, we have you covered with all the latest around Broncos country, what's going on with the team, and you get that here every single day on the Lockdown Broncos podcast, your favorite audio podcasting platforms, not to mention on YouTube. So make sure you hit the subscribe button so you never miss out on a day's worth of Denver Broncos news content and coverage. We'll see you tomorrow for a brand new episode, Lockdown Broncos.